In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Betches Media presents. Madam Speaker, Madam Vice President. You want to hang out with us? Get your vaccine. Vaccine, vaccine. And so I went to Human Resources. There are some things I just can't tell you uh, on air. The Betches Sub Podcast. A woman's problem, if you will. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. And I'm Millie Tamaras. And this is the Betches Sub Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. Today is uh, Wednesday, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. Wednesday, December 1st. It is one more month left of 2021. Whew. When did that it happen? It was better than 2020. It was better than 2020. That's a great, that's a good point. <laughs> It was a good rebound if your standards are really low. Yeah. If you're coming from like a really toxic <laughs> ex, which we were. Um, what what I was going to say was it both felt like it went by so fast. And also I think about stuff that happened in January and it feels like it was like five years ago. Yeah. 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 I mean, we're almost a year away from the insurrection. That was like basically 2020. It was like greater 2020. Oh, yeah. January. That was kind of the first thing that went down. <laughs> Cool. Yeah. I mean, quite a thing. Well, I think what we're going to, we're talking about um, our holiday episodes, and we definitely have to do some sort of superlatives and retrospectives because a lot of shit went down that I completely have blacked out already. That was, that was in fact this year. I remember um, last year when, or was it last year when y'all did the, the Betches holiday thing and you played that game where it was like, what happened in 2020? Oh, yes. Yes. Exactly. (laughs) And, and it, it was, was like, hard. I lost. It was really hard. <laughs> it was hard. hard. It was really challenging. We could definitely do that. We could definitely do that again. <laughs> For sure. Uh, also wanted to, this morning, of course, tis the season, the Spotify wrapped lists are out. And it's just so fun to see everybody uh, calling us out and it's like seeing how much time you've spent with us. It's timely because tomorrow is the Betches Sup's 600th episode. <gasps> whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, my God. 600 of these guys. 600. That's insane. And that's all you, Amanda, right? I'm on most of them. I think I showed up around 150. Oh, okay. Yeah. Still. I, I, I guess I go back to number one when I was you on go back to uh, numero Facebook uno. Live with Sammy. But it's so yep. different now. And thank God we have Amanda because it used to just be me kind of Googling stuff. and like <laughs> <laughs> It has evolved and grown with the audience. Lots of like fun people saying this morning that they've listened uh, from the beginning. So thank you very much. People say it's like a parasocial relationship. And I'm like, you're our friends. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> Don't I worry about it. Definitely. We're friends. Me. I'll write back to yeah. you. I got time. Yeah. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Listen, I know. Y'all oh, are my okay. friends. <laughs> All right, so we're going to get right into it because we have a lot to talk about today. First, we're going to, of course, address the tragedy in Michigan yesterday. A 15-year-old suspect is in custody after he shot and killed three students and injured eight. The gun was purchased days ago by the student's father legally. This particular event produced a lot of social media videos from the students themselves that I found personally really jarring. 
Students described grabbing scissors and other heavy objects to defend themselves. And I'm sure you guys saw the video of students refusing to exit a classroom when a person claiming to be a police officer seemed suspicious to them. They're actually still investigating this. The sheriff has said that law enforcement has heard that the shooter tried to get into the barricaded rooms by pretending to be a police officer. They're still investigating that video. But I mean, no, it seems like it could be easy to figure out, like, did any of us knock on the door? Was that any of us? So I think it's really kind of unusual. They're not saying that yet. Uh, in any event, those kids went out the window. We'll be watching that. And it's three that have passed away, but some of these are in, some of these kids are in critical condition and uh, it remains to be seen how many casualties, how many fatalities there will be. There have been 651 mass shootings in the year 2021. And that's according to Gun Violence Archive, which defines mass shootings as an event with four or more injuries. That's up from both 2020 and 2019. 20, I mean, it's barely up from 2020 when you would have thought like people were generally inside. But no, it's it's been about the same for the past three years, but it's been going up. That's terrible. I mean, you know, a lot of people have been saying online that like, you know, when we talk about, we wish that like people were as up in arms about guns as they are about critical race theory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like what's actually dangerous Especially to your fucking kid? Especially in schools, yeah. Yeah, what's actually dangerous to your kid? I just wonder, like the, if the dad got it legally, like what kind of gun was it? You know, it's just kind of like unfortunate and I'm also wondering what YouTube, you know, what online and like YouTube and Facebook channels this child was consuming. Yeah, I mean, it seems like this is yeah, all very 15. early, but apparently he shot at least 30 rounds, which would suggest like he was there, like just indiscriminately like, ready to ready to shoot a lot of people. Yeah, I was when I was writing about this for the newsletter today, I was really I mean, I'm all like it's always very affecting when these things happen. Yeah. But there was something about the pictures of these three victims that were like yeah they're so young and they're so like like one of them is this kid in like his football gear standing on the football field another is kind of like yeah a blurry selfie of this cute girl who turned out to be 14 years old yeah i'll read their names the football player is 16 year old tate well i think it's meyer or Merce, 17 year old madison baldwin and 14 year old hannah saint juliana Mm -hmm. were all killed yesterday Terrible. Yeah, and, like, Madison, there's a beautiful picture of her, like, wearing a hat in the fall. Like, all of these kids. I mean, any kid that's that young is, yeah. like, brimming with potential. Even the shooter is someone who was brimming with potential where, like, exactly. we're going to have to figure out where society failed this kid that he ended up with a gun in his hands. I mean, we know where the failure ended up there, so we don't yeah. have any rules. But, like, where? how did he get to the place where he is? I'm sure we'll find out more, but then it's also because it's a minor, like, who knows? Yeah, Shannon Watts um, is really good at pointing out, like, yes, he got it legally, so then the question is, how do we prevent this? And it's like, there are just the saturation of guns in this country is so beyond and comparable to anywhere else in the world. This is not normal for for this many people to have deadly weapons at their disposal at all times. Absolutely. So I don't know. It's like challenging to imagine like what I, I can't really foresee a, a federal mandatory buyback happening. No. So uh, even a buy, even an optional buyback. Like no. Yeah. They've tried to do that. And then I feel like a lot of people would sell their guns back. Some yeah, I mean maybe it's there are some people who need very little motivation to sell their guns back, but these are also probably the people that are like not using them that often. <laughs> they're just, they're like, 
Yeah. I don't know. It's just a hobby. It's not something that's like they've connected to their identity. I do also feel, I do also feel like we've been seeing a lot of just like parent complicity in a lot of this gun violence. Like, didn't Mm -hmm. I? I, I don't want to speak out of turn, but I'm pretty sure Kyle Rittenhouse's parents bought him the gun that he, the AR-15 that he used. A friend did. A friend did. Okay. Yeah, but sorry. he was not old enough to have it. Yeah, right. right. That's it. But, like, the parents probably knew he had it. Yeah, like, they're, they, totally. they have, like, a gun culture in the house, I guess is what I mean. And, like, who knows what the gun culture totally. was going on at this kid's house where his dad's going to have a weapon that he just bought and isn't locked up in any way it's it's like like why did he have access to his dad's gun yeah i mean aren't there laws about like i mean i guess the laws about having to be concealed i mean how do you you can't retroactively enforce them obviously i mean we're not gonna there's not gonna be like you know routine inspections on gun owners homes to make sure they're okay I, i don't know if that's the solution yeah, I don't we'll think so. Let him Politically, in. that would be favorable. <laughs> I'm sure that'll be received well. <laughs> Fauci shows mm. up. Can yeah. I see your vaccine card? Make <laughs> yeah, sure Dr. Fauci comes to your door to give you a vaccine and see where you keep your guns. Hundred <laughs> percent approval. Yeah, I'm also just like, guns are not cheap. They're very expensive, and I'm like, I don't know anything about this kid's family, but I'm just like. A normal 15-year-old that has active parents who are invested in his life and all this shit mm-hmm. doesn't go to school and try to and okay. shoot 30 rounds. So I'm like, what could this dad have used that money for to, like, better that kid's life fucking instead of buying a, a gun? Like, yeah. these guns are, like, $700,000, $2,000. They're not cheap. And I'm just like... Why isn't there a supply chain crisis with guns? Why yeah. can't we make that happen? Like, why didn't he take his kid to the fucking movies? Or go to, like, right. fuck. Go on vacation. Do go something else. Go on vacation. Else. Do something yeah. else. $1,000, you can make, you can have a nice vacation. Yeah. And we don't know much about uh, about him because he's obviously a minor and uh, they can't question without his parents and his parents are not having him talk. I certainly hope that the death, the fatality count ends at three, but, like, this is gonna, this is gonna happen again. I mean, I just... I only think about it when this happens, and obviously kids think about it all the time, but Jesus Christ, it must be so terrifying to go to school every day. My God. That is so... I mean, it's so scary, and it's also really scary. It's about, like, in that story about the kids, like, thinking, like, strategizing together that, like, these kids actually have thought of this now at this point, and it's a part of, like... It's a part of, like, their understanding of their safety is to actually know, like... You're not supposed to go by the door. You're supposed to do this. Check this. Don't open the door for anyone. Like, they shouldn't. They shouldn't know what to do in that situation. Exactly. I'm glad that they did, but they shouldn't know what to do in that situation. But these kids are so. It is such a threat to their safety that they actually do have strategies for what to do. Yeah, and the fact that they were able to employ them is the only reason why this wasn't worse because it could have been so much worse. Yeah, and it's three people. Three teenagers are dead. Yet it could have been so much worse. I know. First, for and another one has no. Their life is effectively over. Over the the suspect. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift because now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click 
gift mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com, and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And gift mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing, up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. All right, we're going to do one more bit. Well, actually, it's not a lot of positive news today, so we'll just, <laughs> I'll just say the next headline. Yeah. This is why we all process this together for what I think mine said 11,000 minutes a year. (laughs) Whoa. So if you follow reproductive rights closely, the date December 1st has loomed large in recent months. We are here. So today the Supreme Court hears arguments in Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. This is a challenge to a Mississippi law that's currently on hold that bans abortions after 15 weeks. Fetal viability is typically between 22 and 24 weeks, so by accepting this case, the Supreme Court has decided to maybe that restrictions before viability might not present an undue burden, and maybe they're not unconstitutional. We have been saying it's alarming that the court even decided this is worth looking at again, because in the past it has said no. Mississippi legislatures, they want to do this because they believe that Roe versus Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey have, quote, no basis in the Constitution. They're, they're saying that's wrongly decided. People have no constitutional right to an abortion. Something that is really enraging is that Mississippi is also going to argue that the law doesn't pose an undue burden to women in the state because right now there's only one clinic left and it doesn't even provide abortions past 16 weeks, which to me just says they have trapped the trap lawed their way in to claiming that this is banning abortion is no longer an undue burden. We're going to have one of our favorites, Amani Gandhi, on tomorrow, host of the Boom Lawyer podcast, just like you you follow her on Twitter. You know her. Yeah. <laughs> to break down what's happening today. So we'll we'll put some asks out for what people want to know, but I was like sick this morning. 
Yeah, I yeah. We're I'm just nervous this title, about this it. podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm nervous about it. I don't feel great about it. <sighs> I mean, yeah, like just let people have abortion. <laughs> like, it's not. <laughs> I know. It's not That's the I don't know thing. Like, like, stop doing this. It's so insane. I know. Just stop. You know all the arguments. We can't point out how hypocritical <clears throat> it is. I mean, one thing that Mississippi is trying to claim is that abortions after 15 weeks are somehow more dangerous. That's that's obviously not true, but no abortion except for a back alley abortion or an, is more dangerous than childbirth. In this country, childbirth happens to be incredibly dangerous. We said yesterday women um, are twice as likely to die. If you're a black woman, you're fucking lucky to survive childbirth. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. And yeah, I mean, again, one of my favorite um, pieces that like helped me understand um, abortion was, I think, this Esquire piece about the last abortion clinic in Mississippi. I think Mm -hmm. I wonder if it's Mm -hmm. the same one. And it was it came out in 2014. And it's just like fascinating, like the kind of women that get uh, that get abortion like all kinds of women why they get it and all that stuff and it's just like i just personally feel like <clears throat> if you don't want to have a baby that's good enough reason to not have a baby totally um and it's just scary i mean this is it's just tough because on one end i can see why people have been disillusioned by democrats and <laughs> you know what i mean and like but you know it, it, Biden promised all these things. They're making some things happen, but not all the things they promised. And people are disappointed. And people are like, what's the point of voting? But this is the point of voting, right? Because it's not, you know, Trump has left a really, like, it's not just, it's the judges, you know? And Mm -hmm. it's terrible and it's fucked up. They're cheating now on gerrymandering. This is happening today because Trump won. So, like, Trump is still in power. A Trump appointed judge just struck down Biden's vaccine mandate for healthcare workers and put an injunction. Well, like, they put an injunction on it. So the mandate was supposed to go into effect next week. And now it's not because some Trump judge says that you can't. So it's I mean, it's serious what's going on with the courts. Yeah. And it's like that's his legacy. And it's like on my computer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> one, one thing that's interesting though is that biden maybe we'll do a show about this maybe not it's kind of boring but like biden is like going ham on the judges too like they are but they're like sort of quietly trying to restore Good. balance and appointing more people it might be more than trump at this point like they're Good. going for it Good. and they're appointing really interesting people people that aren't obviously conventional which which would mean you know just like old white guys some really cool people so that's sort of happening and and like you said it's key because these things that like affect all of our health and safety yeah. And it's just like, I, I don't, I doubt that the Kenosha, like the Kyle Rittenhouse judge was a Trump appointed judge. But like, that is also like an example of how much power judges have. And like, that happened in Kenosha. And like, I know people are gonna, I know going back to Kyle Rittenhouse, because I know we're talking, but like, People are emboldened by what happens in other places, even though yes, I'm yes. like y'all are not going to get away with it. Like these, this was a special case, but like it's these ripple effects. So that's just what I was thinking too. Of like, I know that to me it can feel like so. Like, what's the point? But it's like this is the point. Other people have, not, and we're just getting to that point with Republicans where. It, they don't care about the Constitution. It doesn't make sense. There's no decency. We can't wait for them on anything. 
bad faith. We just have to assume bad faith at all times. And if that, then like, you know, I wish and I hope that for the future of the Democratic Party, we start getting better at playing offense. Mm. You know? Yes. And we have like, to. We have to because th- th- we're doing defense and it's not enough. It's no like, longer like mm-hmm. what's at stake is if we can do the things that we like to do. Like the future of all of our <laughs> rights, that's ev- everything, the fucking planet and the democracy is at stake. The republic is at stake. It's no longer just like, oh, it'd be nice to have who we like in there. No, it's not fair, but yeah. Anyway, happy Wednesday. <laughs> happy Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> All right, finally today, this is a great, we're having kind of like a true crimey week, Elise. Mm-hmm. I like it. So you've probably heard, except that both stories are very, very devastating to everybody involved. You've probably heard of the book, The Lovely Bones by Alice Siebold. I actually never read it. Did you guys? I watched I never the movie. Read it. Mm-hmm. The movie has Stanley Tucci, right? Yeah, I think he's the murderer. And Mark yeah. Wahlberg. Yeah, it was disturbing. Yeah. It's always been on my list and now I'm kind of like, yeah. It was yeah. just like I don't know. I'm I'm just like I have to be very careful with like movies that are inten- like intentional yeah, tear jerkers that like you're gonna fucking sob like but not even cool like Coco, but it's definitely <laughs> Coco level sobbing. Got it. Okay, I will not be watching that. Uh, this this news update doesn't relate to that book by Alison Siebold. It relates to another one she wrote called Lucky. This book, they're both really intense books. The first one deals with a rape and murder, and the second one, the Lucky, I, I don't know what order she wrote them. I think she wrote Lucky first, because that one details her own attack. When Alice Siebold was 18 years old, she was a student at Syracuse University in 1982 when she was raped by someone unknown to her in a park. So she eventually became convinced a man named Anthony Broadwater was her attacker after seeing him on the street. He was arrested. This was despite the fact that the composite sketch made didn't match her description at all. Um, I mean, you have one job. <laughs> and she identified a different man in a police lineup. Siebold also told the prosecutor she was confused because Broadwater looked similar to the man next to him in the lineup, who was also a black man. Oh, notable, Anthony Broadwater is black. The prosecutor told her they probably did that on purpose. They were probably friends who showed up together to trick her. I know that's not allowed. And that was not true. They were strangers. But she later Mm. identified Broadwater as her attacker in court. He was convicted of first degree rape and five other charges. He spent 16 years in prison. He was released after serving that time for that alleged crime in 1988. But he was, of course, forced to register as a sex offender. And he's been advocating for his innocence ever since. He has never admitted to this. He was denied parole several times for refusing to acknowledge his guilt. He passed numerous polygraph tests decades apart. Um, and finally, his efforts to... He was never successful with this. He had he hired multiple lawyers. He's tried this over and over again. Five times. Yeah. Recently, uh, Lucky was going to be turned into a film. And this raised some new questions about the case. Like, actually, an executive producer on the film, he started having concerns. Stuff started happening. The film's financing fell through. But this executive producer... This which is a New York Times article I read. I don't want to white savior this too much. But this is what the article said. That this executive producer... Uh, started to look into this as well and he hired an investigator to look into the case Uh, everybody noticed these issues that we've already said as well as also finding that he had been convicted based on a method of microscopic hair analysis that has since been discredited so lots of stuff wrong and eventually they got him hooked up with a lawyer who was successful and on monday of this week anthony broder was finally exonerated 
uh, state judge, his defense lawyers, the district attorney, who I think was even the prosecutor at the time, agreed that the case against him was bullshit and that it was flawed. There's like no way to compare wrongful conviction cases, but like this one is just this guy. There was a book written about his alleged brutal crime. And, you know, millions of people thought that he did this. And he said, quote, on my two hands, I can count the people that allowed me to grace their homes and dinners and I don't get past 10. And he didn't do it. I think what was interesting for this case for me when I read the article was that like there was something called cross-racial identification yeah. and how <clears throat> like it's kind of like a joke like all black people look alike or all these people look alike and like it's like a phenomenon about you know about like how people can't identify or take tell people in yeah. different races apart and like that tends to be like inaccurate and I mean not to go back again to critical race theory, but like this is why this is an elective in law school to show how the law is biased against not white, like non-white people, you know, and like different mm-hmm. different procedures and things and stuff like this is a reality of this country because of stuff like that. And also the another thing that just bummed me out about this thing was that This guy was married and, you know, he told his wife and his wife believed him that he didn't do it. But like he said, I never wanted my wife wanted kids and I never had kids because I was on the sex offender list. And I just didn't want to bring kids into this world where their dad was a potential rape or whatever. So it just makes me sad, you know, 16 years of someone's life. Like (laughs) and since after that, because everybody believed he did that. Yeah, and there's there's no 16 years of your life that you'd be like, those are the 16 I'll just say I don't need. Like, <laughs> you, you want every minute. Terrible. And I think I've been following this case for a couple of days. Like, I, I fo- well, I started following it when I started reading about the exoneration and then um, just kind of following to see what, like, people were saying about it. And it's just, it's so sad to me because it's such an intersection of so many things that we talk about and like you know it's really hard as an 18 year old girl on a campus who was just raped to get the police to pay attention to you unless Mm -hmm. you're accusing a random black man who doesn't have it like it's so interesting to see the way that the criminal justice system went into effect for this allegation whereas there are so many Mm -hmm. women who come forward and literally actually do know who raped them Mm -hmm. and it does it doesn't get to that point so i i think that it really just goes back to a lot of what we've been talking about about like the flaws in our criminal justice system like the police in this situation should have been trained to say you know what this is not actually like a sound allegation that we're getting right now and this is a girl who's just been the victim of an attack and she might be she might have racial bias that we should have been trained on to understand but none of them did and two lives are ruined as a result of this and the actual rapist who knows if he raped other people and went free yeah well and i think too it's just like It's perpetuating that thing of like, oh, you're more because how many people do you think were date raped at the college campus? You know, like it's an actual Mm -hmm. issue, but it's like it's perpetuating when when law officers prosecute someone like this, it's perpetuating the idea that like, oh, you have to like you have to be careful about walking in the park by myself by yourself and not like be careful at the frat party with your drink or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know. And another thing that I was thinking about was that. 
you know, we don't want to white savior it or anything like that. But at the same time, like, it is like <laughs> a good use of white privilege. Of, yeah, like, yeah, this yeah, guy yeah, yeah. did bring attention. Like, this guy, tr- you know, there's a reason why white savior things like are yeah, more yeah, yeah. effective. And it, it, it is just like you, this, this executive producer saw flaws himself and did and took it upon himself which and he had something so to lose great. with this movie not happening and yeah he, he lost money because he would have made a lot of money if he would have just ignored it and whatever and he would have made a lot of money so it is cool and like again it's not like uh it's it's delicate because you don't want to be like oh thankful thank god for yeah. this man who did everything but at the same time like this man you know um broadwater he um did it five times and no one cared and no one paid attention until a white executive producer said something. So it is, there's something to be said about allyship and and support and all that stuff. Yeah. Like we ideally want to get to a place where Broadwater's attempts are uh, as valid and valued as this guy's. But until we get there, it is nice that he (laughs) took a step back and was like, wait, I actually see major flaws in this um which must have been like extremely apparent because he said basically it was like between reading the memoir and reading the Mm -hmm. script he started to have questions Mm -hmm. and it's just interesting to think like i wonder how many people around her have had questions or how many questions she maybe had herself that she didn't want to like even the book which which came out a year after he was released and i wonder if that played into the urgency is like this wasn't a lot of times you hear about wrongful convictions and there's the urgency because it's like we need to get this person either off of death row or out of prison. Mm-hmm. And he was released in 1998 and her book came out in 1999. So he's just been like, but he's been living. He's like, at least, like you said, he was a sex offender. Yeah. Even in her book, she does, um, like the book details issues, which is interesting too. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I don't think the book is really like, this is an open and shut case. I, I think she believes that's who, who she believed at the time that's who raped her, but she details probably just sort of show how the process can be so traumatic for victims. Mm-hmm. But really what she was really exposing was like, this is not how it's supposed to go. So she wrote a letter or a post on Medium yesterday. It's very contrite and and it acknowledges that there's no apology that's acceptable. She specifically apologized and said she regretted having, quote, unwittingly played a part in, quote, a system that sent an innocent man to jail. It's, it's a lot of that. Um, and she notes that this failure means that her rapist was never held accountable. More compelling than anything she wrote is Broadwater's response, which was, quote, it took a lot of courage, and I guess she's brave and weathering through the storm like I am. To make that statement, it's a strong thing for her to do, understanding that she was a victim and I was a victim too, which is just so much more generous than he needed to be. I really, I really do hope that she gives him some money. Yeah. <laughs> like, he needs money from somebody. I, yeah. real, I mean, he should get money from, like, the state or whatever, but I think... Yeah, he should have a lawsuit on it. He has a lawsuit on his hands now that he has some good lawyers. I think a little a little payout from, from Alice to him <laughs> would yeah, probably makes be sense. Uh, appropriate. And I do... I do think that the ultimate villain of this story is the police department yes, that yes, definitely. Like, allowed this to happen. But, I mean, yeah, I think that she should probably give that man some money. And not just well, because she's a lady that happens to be rich, but yeah. because those riches came directly from profiting from, off this yeah. story that, she, that, that affected him. Well, 
I want to see this movie now. <laughs> okay, I want to see the movie. Okay, here's the thing. I did, I I did say that the... So they are making a documentary. This same executive producer, I guess, saw an opportunity. They are making a movie about it. Good. Do you want to guess what it's titled? The documentary? Lucky? Unlucky? She's so no. lucky? It is Un- titled Unlucky. Yeah, yeah! I knew it. Wow. I've got that, no. I got that industry brain, baby. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like a Britney Spears, like lucky. (laughs) (laughs) No, but unlucky. Unlucky is what it will be called. And just like, yeah, thank God this man. If if there are any um, fundraisers for him, I I will uh, check. There's a GoFundMe. There is one. Okay, great. Yeah, we'll definitely... We will definitely share that. That is our show for today. Until the end of Democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. And I'm Millie Tamaras. And this is the Betches Up Podcast. Bye. Bye. The Betches Sub Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales-Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to suppod at Betches.com. Betches.